Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, welcome back to Life on Mission week number four. Week number four. In week number one, I, I, I gave you this concept that we've only got one job, and that is to be a witness, all right? And, and I tried to articulate that there's a difference between witnessing and being a witness. Because sometimes we've got, you know, we say things, but our life says something different. And so when it comes to being a life on mission, people watch what you do a lot more than they hear what you say. And so it's important for us that if we've only got one job, that's the reason why God left us here, that we need to do it, and we need to do it well, and that is to be a witness. And then week number two, I, I talked about a couple of different things that can help us be a witness, and in week number two, it was the concept of connecting, building relationships, and how that as followers of Christ, we need to get out of our um, us for no more mindset get beyond our families. We as a church need to get beyond these walls and we need to be a witness in our community. And that looks like this. Whoever that you come in contact with is probably somebody that God has brought across your path for you to be a witness to them. And the easiest way to be a witness is to connect with them, to create a relationship. Then last week, introduced you to the concept of serving. Matter of fact, if you look in your note taker in that sheet, you'll see there's an opportunity, a couple of opportunities for people to serve. Like, you know, as we grow as a church, there are uh, new needs that we have, and, and we're looking for somebody in our kindergarten kids area. We're looking for um, more people to join our tech team. Um, and so if you're looking for a place to serve and if that's an area that interests you, I would, I would encourage you, raise your hand or just come stand close to me, all right? Um, because I don't know, raise your hand, standing close to me, it's the same thing. You know, when, when someone's standing beside me, I feel like they're saying, hey, what would you like me to do? And, um, and so, yeah, I, I feel just like that it's my responsibility to help them. Yes. Amen. So um, one way is to serve, and we need to get out of our comfort zone and serve other people. Because, you know what, that's what Jesus said. I came to serve others. That's how we claim the name of Jesus today is because of how he served us. He did what we can't do. Well, this week I'm, I want to share with you another concept, and it's called share. Now, I, I'm just... I'm, Go ahead. You, some of you just got scared and you got one foot going to the door. You're like, uh-uh, I'm out of here. So in week, as a preacher, um, I have a couple of responsibilities. The Bible says that I'm to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And in week one, when I talked about the tenderizing, I talked about how that we need to, uh, am I not on? All right. I had a heavy week. Uh, two different funerals this week. 
of uh, people in our church, uh, one a father, uh, one a sister, um, and then it's been a, a busy week. And so I'm not here to reprove you this week, all right? I've, I've done that the last three weeks. I beat you up a little bit. I softened you, tenderized you. This, and I'm not here to rebuke you. I, I, I don't mind rebuking from up here, but typically uh, the rebuking takes place in private. Unless you do something publicly, and then I'll rebuke you publicly. But today, what I want to do is I want to exhort you. Today, I want to give you a virtual hug if you're online. I, I, want, I want you all that are here today to, to feel what God feels towards you. And I want you to know that um, it's a lot of times as Christians, as Christ followers, we convince ourselves that God's up there just waiting for us to step out of line and then zap. Now, don't get me wrong. There, is a, there will come a time when you get out of line that God may zap you. But it's not every time. See, the Bible tells us that his mercies are new every morning. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about this concept of, of uh, sharing in, in such a way that it builds you up instead of scares you. Because I believe that the reality is, is that most of us, if I asked you to raise your hand, matter of fact, I'm going to do it. How many people believe that they could do a better job of sharing about Jesus? See, you're not alone, folks. You're not alone. I think we all can do a better job. And, and what happens sometimes is we beat ourselves up because we didn't do it yesterday and we didn't do it three days ago and we missed that opportunity and then we just stop trying because we think that we're a failure when it comes to sharing about Jesus. And I want to share with you today that that's just not the case. Matter of fact, I want to read uh, Romans chapter 10 and verses 13 and 15 and and here's what these verses say. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then it asks a question. How then will they call on Him if they've not believed? And it doesn't stop there. It asks, And how are they to believe in whom they've never heard? Probably this morning, in a, in a town of 13,000, about 3,000 people are somehow involved in church. That means 10,000 aren't. And if you go back in 2020, across our continent, maybe even across the world, the, the habit of going to church on Sunday mornings disappeared for many people. And I, I would argue that probably in our community, less people are going to church this time in March of 2021 than they were in March of 2020. Because that's about the time we as churches shut down. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And, and, and many of you might hear that and you think, whew, you know, I'm not a preacher, so I don't have... We're all preachers. I'm a pastor. That's my job. I'm, I'm a pastor. But all of us are preachers. Did, did you hear that? I'm a gospel preacher. Every one of us. That's what, our, that's what we're here for. That's our one job. Now, that probably scares you like, oh, no, I have not taken any Bible classes. <laughs> and, and so what I want to share with you today is you don't need to. 
You can't find it in Scripture where it says that anywhere. I want to show that to you. And lastly, it says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? The truth of the matter is every one of us are sent to proclaim the gospel. I believe that when God is done with us here on this earth, we'll take our last breath, our heart will stop beating, and our soul will separate from this body. And and if we are a Christ follower, we will um, be in the presence of God. Until that day comes, we're supposed to be a witness. We're supposed to be a preacher of the gospel. We're supposed to share. Let me share with you a a story in um, the Bible in Acts chapter 8. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. If you are here this morning and you don't own a copy of God's Word, I want you to know that there's Bibles in front of you. And if you pull one of those out and you look on the inside cover, there's a message just for you. And it says this, that if you don't own a copy of God's Word, that you can make this one yours. And I would encourage you, in the next page over, you write your name in there. And you put a gift from Crossroads Church. Because, see, it's not enough this, the time we come here on Sunday. You need God's Word all week long. And so we want you to have a copy of God's word with you. If you found the book of Acts in chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, And Saul approved of his execution. Talking about a Christian named Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And, and, you know, I just want to pause here and I just want to talk about last year, this time, churches across our country made a decision to close our doors. And I, I want to say two things, so please listen to both of them. First of all, I believe that decision, those actions will cost our children and our grandchildren and their children their religious freedom in our country because of what we did in 2020. I also would tell you this, that if it were March of 2020 again, and I was faced with the same exact dilemma and predicament that the information that we were given, we'd make the same decision. Not that it was right, but based on that information, you know, they told us that 2 million people in America were going to die from COVID. Folks, we were lied to. And I don't think it was people in government that lied to us. I think it was the enemy. It was Satan himself. And he did everything. Why is it that they wanted the churches shut down, but yet you could pack them in like sardines in an airplane? That's what the enemy does. And people don't think anything twice. Matter of fact, there's people who got on a plane this week who tell themselves, I'm not going to church because I might get COVID. That's how the enemy works. And this is what happened In Acts chapter 8, and there was persecution on the church. Ladies and gentlemen, persecution is coming to the church in America. There will be a day when these doors will not be allowed to be opened. They will put chains on them. They will turn this building into something else. But I'm here to tell you that when that day happens, this church will still go on. This church will still exist. Do you know why I push life groups so hard? Because one day, that's how we are going to do church. 
If you're not comfortable going into somebody's house and meeting and talking about Jesus, you're going to have a hard time going to church in 15 years. So, folks, let's do it now because, you know, it was a blessing in that churches all across America embraced this concept of online church. Because I'll just tell you, sometimes as a church, we're a little slow. We're a little slow to react. We had this incredible technology that allowed for us to get the message out to a lot more people than that would walk in these doors, and we didn't take advantage of it. And so I believe what the enemy meant for bad and evil, God meant for good. And he took that, and now today our services are broadcast. Today, while we have 130 here, you'll over 500 people watch this message before the month's out. Because of what happened a year ago and because we took a step of faith that more than 10,000 people have watched our message in the last year. That would have never happened. But what the Satan meant for bad, God took it and he twisted it and he made it good. And here's how he made it good in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Come on. And those that were shut down for COVID went about preaching the word online. If you would, jump over to verse 26 in Acts chapter 8. I want to introduce you to a guy by the name of Philip. Now, most of you, when I say the name Philip, you're probably thinking about the Apostle Philip. But this is not the guy. The guy that I'm going to introduce you to is called Philip the Evangelist. He, he wasn't a, 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 he was a layperson, just served, came to know the Lord. And wherever he went, he shared the message, the good news. He shared the gospel. We're first introduced to him in Acts chapter 6 and And then here in chapter 8, we hear this story. And then in 21, we hear about his family. He had four daughters who were all preachers of the gospel. See, ladies, you can preach the gospel too. While our uh, convention is all messed up on how we treat ladies in the church, I'm here to tell you, don't let that stop you from sharing God's word. Don't let that slow you down. Because this Bible is full of what happens when men don't stand up and step up and do their job, God brings ladies in and they do a better job. That's what scared us in the men's group. It's like we knew the ladies group was going to take off one day and in two weeks they caught up to us in what took us six months to build. That's why we celebrate one. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, how'd you like to have the angel of the Lord show up and talk to you? I know if you're like me, you're convinced yourself, man, if God would just do that. I'm just here to tell you that that's probably not what, you, what I do. Man, I think, thank you, Jesus. Now I know. And I could go with boldness. That's just not the case. Because everyone who encountered an angel fell on their face, scared to death. Why? Because they thought they were facing death. And the reason why you haven't seen an angel lately is probably because God knows you can't handle it. 
And probably because he put the Holy Spirit in your heart and that, that Holy Spirit talks to you just like this angel talked to Philip. And now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems the way God gives me instructions. Just go that direction, Ronnie. See, we want, you know, we want the instructions that God gives us to have all the details filled out. We want him to tell you, hey, Ronnie, you go to Centralia and I'm going to help you build a church of a thousand people. And everybody's going to love you. And everybody's going to follow you. No, no, that's not what he said. He said, go to Centralia. And I showed up and everybody asked me for the first year I was here. Why? Why Centralia? Karen, I will tell you that it was so clear that we were supposed to be here in Centralia that we were scared to do anything else. We knew that God called us to this city. But sometimes that's all the instructions we get is a direction. Some of you, it's go to church. I don't know who I'm talking to. Some of you, it's go and sin no more. Some of you, it's tell that waitress or waiter that God loves them. Some, I mean, look, it's simple instructions. If we could get the simple instructions down, I'm thinking he might give us a little more complex instructions. But we struggle with that. And here is Philip. He gets these instructions. And, and so this was a desert place in verse 27. And he rose and went. Oh, come on. All we got to do is obey. All we got to do is follow the instructions. And you will be amazed at what happens. Because I'm about to share with you a story that amazed Philip. It amazed him so much he told everybody. It amazed so much that God put it in Scripture so that we could hear this story. And he rose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now we're getting a little specific. See, if we do the general instruction, he'll probably give us a little more detailed instruction. Verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. Some of you need to be running to what God's telling you to go do. Some of you just need to say yes. Boy, if you just say yes, God, the Holy Spirit would leave you alone. And the Holy Spirit would show himself strong in your life. Some of you need to see God work in your life and, and you're content to watch Him work in my life. You're content to watch Him work in your neighbor's life. You're content to watch Him work in your children's life. But you need to see God work in your life. And you need to run to where God has called you. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? 
Oh, it sounds like the verse I read in Romans 10. How? Come on. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but people who had chariots back in those days had bling. Most people walked everywhere they went. This guy was in charge of this queen's treasure, and he had a nice ride. He had a Denali. Tricked out. Air-conditioned running. Come on up in here, Philip. See, we think, and the Bible says this very clearly, that it is easier for a rich person to come into heaven. I'm sorry, it's easier for a camel to go through the needle of an eye than a rich person to enter heaven. But it's not impossible. And I'm telling you that God called Philip to witness to a rich person. And here's what this rich person said. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter. And like a lamb before his shear was silent. And so he opens not his mouth. And in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about? Himself or about someone else? Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Boy, wasn't it nice to see three people get baptized last week? I'm here to tell you, guys, we, I believe we're going to see another six baptized very soon. I'm here, if you're here this morning and you've never followed in believer's baptism, next month when we have our baptism Sunday, that's the day. That's when you need. And and what I would do if I were you, I'd pull out one of those information cards, fill it out, and then check baptism. And I'll reach out to you and I'll, I'll, boy, it was easy. But that's what we're supposed to do. And this is, Rich man, riding in his Denali chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, comes across some water and says, what keeps me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Boy, see, that's what we want. We want that. We want the Spirit of the Lord to just take us somewhere else. But that doesn't happen until we go in the direction that God tells us to go. That doesn't happen until we run into the specific instructions that God has given us. That doesn't happen until we're obedient. And listen to this. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azorus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You think it was easier for Philip to preach after that? Come on. Uh, He just looked for chariots. John, is that a chariot? I think it is. Let's go check it out. And here's what happened. If you'll listen to God, 
If you'll be obedient, you'll watch the Holy Spirit do something that you never saw coming, and you'll have more boldness to do it again. But, but here's what's Im- important for all of us is that we've got to wait on God's timing. Timing is important in two things. One, when it comes to presenting the gospel, and two, when it comes to eating apples. Remember I told you I was a young and dumb and didn't know what I didn't know? Years ago, I was about 12 years old. I was at my grandma's house for the summer. And I was walking down the road from her house and I saw this apple tree that had branches sticking over the fence. And I, and I saw apples on there. And so I climbed up on the fence and I got six green Apples. Oh, oh, oh. I, was, I put them in my shirt. I'm walking down the road and I just start crunching them. I mean, they're just slurping all over me. I got back to my grandma's house and I only had one. And my grandma said, what you got there? And I said, an apple from the neighbor's yard. And she just shook her, started shaking her head. Because she knew it wasn't time to pick them apples. She knew that the apples were supposed to be red. And about an hour later, I figured it out. My stomach hurt. I mean, bad. It was painful. And some of you have tried to get somebody converted when they weren't ready. When the Holy Spirit didn't give you the green light. And you look just like me when I stole them six apples. And it hurts. You know what? I've never picked green apples again. Matter of fact, I don't think I go to the store and buy green apples. And I wonder how many people don't share because you did it once and it was at the wrong time. You did it once and you got a bellyache. You did it once and you thought, oh, I'm horrible at this. I want you to watch this video. It's a a video about a guy by the name of Brian Welch. Now, Brian Welch, is they call him head. And here's why. Brian is a small guy. I don't know, five foot two. But his head is huge. Ginormous. And he uh, was a member of the rock band Corn. Now, when you see him, he doesn't look like me. He doesn't sound like me. But I want you to hear his testimony. Play that video, please. So in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to accept Christ in front of everybody right now. Then I'm going to go home and snort drugs until I don't want to do them anymore. And that was my way of thinking. So I received Christ at the church. I went home, neglected my daughter, and put her in front of the TV. I remember I grabbed a $100 bill. I always used a $100 bill for some reason, pride or something. I chopped up my crystal meth, got it all smooth and powdery, and I snorted a big old line. And I held the bill, and I looked up, and I said, Jesus, if you're real like that pastor said, then you got to take these drugs from me. Come into my life. Come into my heart. And I just got quiet. I said, search me right now. Search my heart. 
and I stayed silent. And I said, you know I want to quit. You know I want to be a good dad for this kid. She lost her mother to drugs, and she's going to lose me if I don't quit. Amen. There's a high when you go on stage and you see all these people like this loving your music and loving you and stuff and there's these girls and all these people going <sighs> worshiping me when you see all those people just going nuts for you it's like you know it, it puffs you up inside you're like you know i'm important that's where drugs can creep in and you know cocaine or whatever methamphetamines crept in and it all came from after drinking for me and, and my friends, and uh, it seems like fun in the beginning. It's a lie because it, it it turns around on you. It starts to wear on your personality, starts to wear on your relationships, and everything is affected by it negatively. Everything. There was a, a few times where Life seemed good. My daughter, Janae, she came into the world and I was like, it was just such a, a euphoric feeling. I thought my life could just feel like that forever, you know? It was like a, it was spiritual, just, I didn't know what was happening. I just felt so much love just fill my emotions. And I thought I was gonna be happy, but, uh. I just couldn't, I couldn't stay sober. I didn't know how. I hit rock bottom. I had swore that I would never do methamphetamines again because I saw what it did to my child's mother. It, it just took her feelings away and made her leave her kid. I just wanted her dead. I wanted to kill her. I thought she was a scum of the earth and uh, you know, how could she do drugs like that and let it let the drugs win her like that? So I never was going to do meth again. I ended up with a everyday crippling addiction to methamphetamine and everything that I said about my ex-wife came true for me. I sunk to the lowest gutter I could ever think of. I would spend time with my kid and I'd still be on it because I needed it to function. I'd get up in the morning, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and snort meth and then take her to school or whatever. It was just, I it was a junk. I started losing my mind. This guy would show up at my house with like a gun and stuff. And then I ran out in Europe, had my drug dealer just crazy. send me drugs through, through the mail. I'd be tweaked out in my hotel room watching this package come from the U.S. It's just nuts. My life just was like spinning out of control. Janaea had come out on, a, on one of the tours in the U.S. I just remember me. her skipping around the house just singing one of our corn songs called Adidas. All day I dream about sex. And I'm like going, what am I doing? I'm a junkie. My daughter's singing all day I dream about sex. And uh, I'm going to die. Father? My uh, real estate broker, Eric, he, uh, he said, Brian, I don't mean to be weird with you. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I, f I felt the scripture like jump out at me. I've never done this before, you know, so I don't really know how to do this, but I felt like this would mean something to you. It's Matthew 11:28. 28. 
Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I remember all tweaked out. I looked up in the dictionary, weary. I looked up burdened, and I just I pulled the scripture apart, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm weary and burdened, and I need rest for my soul. And uh, I didn't know if it was real, but you know, they invited me to church a couple couple weeks later, and I had received Christ at the church. I went home, neglected my daughter, got it all smooth and powdery. Jesus, you got to take these drugs from me. Search me right now. Search my heart. Father, I felt so much fatherly love from, from heaven, and it was like, I don't condemn you. I love you. I love you. It was just love, love, and instantly that love from God came into me. It was so powerful that the next day I threw away all my drugs, and uh, I quit corn. I was like, I'm quitting corn, and I'm going to raise my kid, because my kid, like I got the love from God coming to me and then it came out of me to my kid. It changed me. My heart was changed like that. And I was like, Janaya, daddy's going to be home with you all the time. I'm quitting my career. And her face lit up and she's like, for me, you know, she felt so special. And uh, God used her to save me, to save her life later on. My dream came true way more than I dreamt about. I, got, I made more money. I played bigger shows. I mean, houses, cars. I tried drugs. I tried sex. I tried everything to try to get pleasure out of this life. And I thought that I could fulfill my life with all this stuff by, by having my dream come true. And it came true. But it didn't fulfill it. When Christ came in, that feeling, he gives you the gift of understanding life, which is everything was created for Christ and by Him, and we we're created to be with Him. And it's the most incredible feeling because you're where you belong. And contentment is given to you in life because you don't have to look anywhere else. And you're exactly where you need to be. And the question about life is answered. I'm Brian Head Welch, and I am second. I don't know if you caught what was going on there, but I, I introduced you to Philip the Evangelist, and you just heard Brian tell you about Eric the Evangelist, his realtor. You think Eric was scared when he shared a verse with the guy from Corn who looked like that? But you know what Eric did? He listened to the Holy Spirit. And he ran. And he shared. So listen into Philip's story and listen into Brian's story. Let me just share with you some lessons I think that we all can learn from this. And, and the first lesson is, is, how shall they hear if we do not tell them? That's why we're here. That's why we're left on earth. That's why we don't get saved and immediately we're in his presence. God chose to use us. I wonder sometimes if he regrets that decision. 
Lesson number two is we need to be open for God's prompting to share. We need to be like Philip. And when the angel speaks, when the Holy Spirit nudges us, we need to move in that direction. And we need to be like Eric. When God puts a verse on your heart and tells you to share it with somebody, you, you can say it like he did. I, you know, I don't know why, but the, God wants me to share this verse with you. Look, it's not your responsibility once you share it. All your responsibility is, is to do what God has prompted you. He'll take care of the rest. Trust me. He push you to the side. I got this one. But we, he's, he's looking to use us. Third thing I think we should learn from both Philip and from Eric is that you need to learn to ask questions. Maybe the, the best evangelistic tool we have is on the side of our heads. It's our ears. Philip listened and asked questions twice. And sometimes we need to ask questions. That's how we build connection. I don't care what people tell you, they like to talk about themselves. That's their favorite radio station. W-I-I-M-F-M. What's in it for me? And so when you ask questions, you validate because it's so easy for us as Christians to get on our soapbox. It's easy for us to look down and tell people what's wrong with them and how that they need to change. And, and it's so easy for us to forget how much further in despair we were when God reached down to us. Ask questions. The fourth lesson I think we should learn, and folks, this cannot be overstated, and that is let Scripture speak for itself. Philip let Isaiah do the preaching. He just did some splaining. Eric let Matthew do the preaching. He just did the delivering. And I'm here to tell you that you know it as sure as I'm standing up here and I'm speaking to you. You know that God has given you a verse to share with somebody and many of you haven't. God has put a verse on your heart that sets you free. And when someone comes across and God says, that's the one. And you say, I don't think so, God. I'm just going to keep on moving. And the last lesson that I think we should all learn from these two stories is this. We need to be prepared. 1 Peter 3.15 says these words. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. You see, nobody can tell your story like you can. Nobody, I'll tell you guys over here, they weren't impressed with that. Nobody can tell your story like you can. And here's what you tell yourself. You listen to the enemy, and the enemy says, well, your story ain't all that. You didn't get saved from drugs, and you weren't a rock star. And here's what I'll tell you is God's going to put the right people in front of you. If you'll just ask some questions, you'll realize when that apple's ready. And, and, and let me just tell you, it's a much more pleasurable experience. Nobody can tell your story like you. And I promise you this, that there's somebody that needs to hear your story. Somebody needs to hear 
because they are right where you were. And they need to know, not only hear about somebody, but meet somebody who's on the other side. You know, it's easy for us to be critical of Brian Welch. Did you see all them tattoos? If you look closer, those used to be very vulgar tattoos. And when God changed his heart, all of those got redone. And now it's nothing but gospel message. Now, I know you may have a hard time with that, but you know what? Brian Welch probably has led more people to Christ than I have. Because I can't tell Brian's story like Brian. And the truth of the matter is, I can't tell your story like you can. And and the reality is, you can't tell my story. But if you'll be open to telling your story, God will be faithful to bring people across your path that need to hear it. Maybe you didn't hear that. If you'll be open to tell your story, God will be faithful to bring people across your path that need to hear it. We stand to your feet. Worship team, come on up. Let me ask you one more time. How many people here today believe that, you know what, I could probably do a better job of sharing? Yeah. How many people in here, if God would put it on your heart and tell you that's the person, here's the verse, you'd, you, would, you, you want to believe that you would share that with them? Let me ask you this. How many people in here have a story about their encounter with Christ? That's all God's asking. He's not asking you to be a preacher. He's not asking you to quit your job. He's not asking you to leave your wife or your husband or your children. All he wants you to do is tell your story about your encounter with Jesus Christ. And when you tell your story to the person that God has brought across your path, you're going to see what fruit looks like in due season. Folks, God is working. God is working right now on your hearts. God is working in our community. God is wondering how many people at Crossroads Church are going to take up the charge. How many people are willing to get beyond themselves? Because that's really the problem. The reason why we don't tell anybody about God is because we're proud. The reason why we don't tell anybody our story is because just yesterday we stumbled. And what you don't realize is they need to hear that. They need to hear that you're not perfect. There are so many people that will not come into our church because they believe that we're all perfect and we're going to look at them weird. And what they don't realize is this church ain't perfect. It starts with your pastor. I'm just a broken guy. I'm a guy who, when he was in Bible college, ran from God. 
Bible college. You know, going to be a preacher. Professional. Paid. And I ran from God. Anybody run from God? Were you in Bible college? You see what I mean? Starts right here. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. I was in a church service like this. And an angel of the Lord, don't take that the wrong way, guys, spoke to me and said, Ronnie, I can still use you. You know where most guys go when they run from God? The military. That's where I went. And for the next 28 years, God helped me become a better man. Helped me become a better follower of Christ. Helped me become the, the guy that he sent me to Bible college to be. It just took me 28 years to get there. And then he said, Ronnie, you're ready. You need to get out of the military. And here I am. That's my story. To God be the glory. To a merciful God who didn't give up on me. To a graceful God who still loves me even when I fail. When I make bad decisions. When I say stupid things. When I forget to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That same God wants to do that for you. He doesn't care where you're at. He will meet you right there. We're about to sing our song. Nobody. I'm a nobody. I don't deserve to be up here. I don't. If I, if I laid out my life to you, you'd be like, mm -mm, I ain't coming back here. I ain't going to be told by you what to do. I made some horrible decisions. I can't go back and undo those decisions. But what I can do is today, I can listen for the word of God. And I can run to the direction. Who wants to run to where God's telling you to go? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.